From a secure bunker somewhere near the city of brotherly love, I'm Michael Sperger, and this is Deadline. And from a separate secure bunker, I'm J.C. Wilson. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help but notice that this doesn't feel anything like a mailbag episode. This is super not a mailbag episode, sir. We are going to hold that one for later because, uh, as they say, we interrupt this programming to bring you some very different reality. And it felt like maybe we ought to take a minute and talk about that. We're professional dads. So We're professional dads. We have kids in these houses that are going to need a little bit of extra attention and a little bit of extra help because as I was telling my son today, this is going to be an event that he's going to remember. And it's something that is going to be common in his generation. It's going to be baked into what makes them who they are. Because this is not something that happens a lot or, you know, maybe ever. I'll, I'll just, you know, tap into my own memories. I still remember the week after uh, 9-11. And I was living in the Midwest at the time, but everyone interacted differently. There was definitely a change. There was definitely a before and an after. And I have a feeling this is going to be something similar for that for that group of people. I think what you just said about the before and after is really important to keep in mind right now, because the the I think the biggest struggle that we have is that the after is already here and you're grieving the loss of the before. You're trying to understand what are the new rules of the after um, as as we're living in it, but it's all so new and strange and, and you know, just no precedent. I mean, I, I was doing a little research, right? Polio, until we had the polio vaccine, there was some kind of similarity in terms of how there would be outbreaks and there would be quarantines and things. But, you know, the last big, big polio outbreak in the world was in 1952. Um, so the people who remember that, uh, these days um, are precisely those folks that we have in care facilities who, you know, you go to visit and they kind of natter on about the war and stuff and you don't listen real closely. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out they know some important stuff. <laughs> right. But you make a strong point, especially in the, you know, we've sort of already kind of started moving to this place where there's a before and an after. And, you know, as we're living through this, there's some things we're going to have to manage. But the most important thing maybe is to take a look at what we can do because there is yes. an, the, the, the sense of agency can't just evaporate. That's what's going to help get us through something like this. Absolutely. And I think the, the best place for us to start is we got to figure out where to put the stress. Uh, uh, so there's the stress for ourselves. There's the stress on our partners and kids, uh, kind of the collective stress uh, uh, in our community. And I, I think about I had a job several years ago where I, I just had a really difficult working situation. Um, it was stressing me out real hard. And I chose to adopt some practices uh, uh, to deal with that. So one thing was I had a commute at that time. I wasn't working from home. And I would fix myself uh, uh, some cheese and crackers and grab a soda out of the fridge in the office. And I would go sit in my car at the end of the workday before I started driving home. And I would listen to stand-up comedy for 10 minutes. So I'd have my drink and I'd have my snack. And I would, you know, listen to something funny for 10 minutes before I even started driving so that I could use that drive time. First off, not to murder people with my car. 
also to make that transition to home. And then the other thing I started doing is when I got home, my son was kind of in middle school at that time, middle school, high school. And uh, we would head down in the basement to the game room and we would sit together and we would play Star Wars Battlefront 2 and just shoot stormtroopers for like 20, 30 minutes. Um, And then I could come back upstairs and be a person for the rest of the evening. I had something similar. Back before I had a a work-from-home situation, one of the things I would do after my commute, and I had to do it after my commute, um, is I would go into the basement and take out my day on my heavy bag. There's something very, very satisfying about the physical release of that kind of energy. I don't have the heavy bag hanging up anymore, but that's the topic for another episode. It's one of those things where there has to be something that we do that releases that energy in a a semi-structured fashion, And it is sort of taking care of yourself so that you can then get in front of things and and take care of of your family and your responsibilities. One of the things that I've been discussing with the kids is what can we do over the next couple of weeks to kind of keep ourselves sane? So we've been looking at our collection of board games because we all enjoy that. We've been talking about family movie night. You know, we won't do it probably every night, but maybe every other night we'll just sit down and watch something we haven't seen before. There's a whole world full of Marvel movies that we haven't rewatched. So, you know, we could pretty well start from that and do that for 10 days, I, I, I guess. Aren't you grateful now that the MCU phase one contains like 19 movies? Oh, brother, I'll tell you what, for better or worse, because I am a, a guy with kids and I love The Mandalorian, we do have Disney XD, which has all that stuff just kind of lined up on demand. So you just start pushing buttons and start watching really cool splicks. Do we get, do we get affiliate revenue from that? Well, I don't think we do. Dang it. What is the point of placing a product if we're not going to get paid? Come on, son. We're still capitalists. We're still, we're going to need, we're going to need some banner ads and uh, we're going to have to do some ad reads, I think, but maybe, maybe another time in a moment when we come back. But first a message from our sponsors. No, (laughs) no, not on the No, 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 no. Um, so I think, I think that idea of structure for the whole family is important. I mean, you know, we don't we don't want to be like the cruise director uh, uh, trying to dictate how everybody's spending their time. But I think, you know, offering these suggestions, especially recognizing, you know, I'm seeing with my youngest, uh, she's 16. She's so frustrated. There's no precedent in her life for this. And she was supposed to go take her driver's test yesterday and we couldn't do that. And what bigger thing is there when you're 16 years old, but to get that license and get the freedom to run away from mom and dad when, when you need to get out of the house, you know? So, so as I say, I just, you know, recognizing that kids, kids don't have the coping skills yet, not, not because they're like not capable, but they just haven't had the time to accrue the experience. Exactly. And and this is a place where we can really be helpful is to just, you know, kind of show them, okay, look, you know, I, I haven't had this kind of stress before, but I've had a lot of stress in my life. And here are some ways that I deal with it. And, you know, let's figure out some ways that make sense for you. Um, you know, maybe, maybe getting out, you know, the Warhammer set and, and building the, my little pony army is an appropriate and healthy family choice. I think making a my little pony army is always an appropriate choice. Um, the flip side of that is again, my son has been kicking off, uh, playing dungeons and dragons with his cousin and a bunch of their friends, uh, online because there are systems out there to handle that now. So it's never been an easier time to be a nerd without anybody seeing it, I guess. Um, but that is something that we do need to take into account is creating some kind of structure and finding a way for everybody to burn off the steam of, not only not getting the driver's license, but having to actually sit in the house with mom and dad for the next like 14 days plus. Um, by the way, my experience of being a nerd when when I was in those 
years of my youth was that I I was mostly doing it out of view of other people. <laughs> this is this is true. Very true. It was easy to practice social distancing in those days. Um, <laughs> one of the other things that I've kicked off as sort of a little practice over the past couple of days is I've been doing a lot of FaceTime with my parents. Just checking in, making sure they're not out roaming the earth. More importantly, just talking and laughing and having some little social interaction. And as this is kind of dragging on, I think it's maybe a less, little less the social isolation and a little more just the dread that comes with looking at the news and seeing what the next big headline is. Yeah. And I, I think we're already finding that uh, tools like Zencaster, which we're using right now, uh, another placement, um, <laughs> generic technology tools, like on those home improvement shows, when they go to home improvement store, rather than going to, um, you know, well, I'm not naming any more brand names nope. now, actually. Uh, anyways, technology tools where, you know, we can do video chat just like they used to show us at Epcot Center, only now it's real. You know, we do have the ability to connect in some in some great ways, uh, which is important. I think also in the spirit of connecting, you know, paying attention to how we can help the community around us. And one of the things I've, I've been reflecting on a lot is that if you're listening to us, there's a decent chance that you're sort of in our socioeconomic neighborhood as far as America goes. And I, I think one of the things I'm really tuning into is that we did okay when it came to kind of rushing to the aid of particular people in our community that we already knew who were suddenly going through a tough spot. Like, for instance, uh, maybe a fellow parent who's undergoing cancer treatment. But what, what, I'm, what I'm seeing now is that we just have not been engaged as a socioeconomic class in systemic, ongoing, intentional engagement of the community around us, you know, living by that biblical credo of being our brothers and sisters keepers. And there's an opportunity for us to do differently now. The first one that comes to mind for me, uh, uh, everything I'm seeing online says, you know, support your local food bank, but it's a lot more helpful to give them money actually than to bring food because bringing food introduces some, you know, contamination risk and the money allows them to be more flexible addressing what their needs are day to day. So I, you know, please encourage everybody to figure out where your local food bank is, start giving money to them, especially if you're staying employed, you, you know, keep, keep giving money to them on a regular basis if you can, because that's a great way to help. Exactly. And there are a number of places that will deliver that food and that take care of folks who are maybe not in position to go out into uh, into the, the public sphere anyway. So there are folks that have trouble getting to the grocery store. I, I would urge folks to take a careful look at that and see if there are some in your community where you'd be able to maybe kick in a few bucks if you've got it. And that is another thing to think about is that Maybe there are folks around you that would not normally have a, a problem with finances in a situation like this, but it never hurts to just check in and see if people are okay. And that goes beyond just the, the folks we're comfortable with talking with every day. We have a, a neighbor who is getting on in years, and I know that she has uh, folks coming to deliver meals on wheels and whatnot. That's a product placement that I'm happy with. Uh, we'll definitely <laughs> be checking in with her to make sure that everything's okay as this kind of progresses. And she's all of 20 feet away. And I know that I would hope someone would do that for uh, for my grandmother or my mother if they were able to. When my grandparents were still alive, um, we really appreciated that there were folks in their neighborhood. They had a wonderful neighbor down the street who took on the cause of plowing their sidewalk and driveway when it snowed. They had a next door neighbor um, who, you know, looked out over them. These are the kind of bonds and connections that are going to sustain us through these kind of moments of crisis. For me, there's nothing more important now or in the future in my life to 
try and present myself as the right kind of person and also be noticing those kind of things going on in my surroundings. Again, I come back to, you know, I think we've, I think we've kind of blithely moved through the world, uh, not totally tuned in to what's going on around us a little bit numb to, uh, uh some of the harsher realities, uh, that the vulnerable around us have been living through. And, and we have now a chance to change that together. And I think that's super important. Which I think brings up an excellent point. If anyone has ever done any training for lifeguards, I, I, rec- I recommend you go out and take a look at what it looks like when a person is actually drowning. They don't look like they're drowning. That's the difference between a lifeguard who's been trained and, and knows what they're doing and folks that are just playing around in the pool. There are a lot of folks that have drowned within arm's reach of somebody, and that person would have certainly grabbed them if they'd recognized that there was a problem. Maybe this is a chance for us to look around in our community and see problems that we haven't seen before and do what we can to reach out and, and see if we can just lend a hand. Again, I'm not sure that I would recognize everything, but I'm trying to be much more mindful about it. So new topic People are talking online about we're going to have some awfully clean closets and well-organized houses. I, I will say there's uh, there's been a lot of going through the house uh, the last couple uh, couple of days, but yeah, there's we're, we're going to be pretty clean here by the end of the next uh, week or so. Just sitting and staring at the walls makes them want to clean themselves almost. And again, I'm reminded of my grandmother who uh, was born in. Gosh, the early 1920s, a depression kid, a young woman in World War II. When we wrote her obituary, several people in the family wanted us to comment on how thorough and really detailed a cleaner she was. And now I'm starting to understand. <laughs> and it's not just to keep uh, keep the bugs away. It's, it's to keep maybe a little bit of the boredom away. Speaking of uh, keeping away the boredom, I have this idea that I want to try out. And I'm just going to put this out there in the world and see who of our listeners is up for it. I think it's time for virtual karaoke. I, I know you have feelings about karaoke and, and I respect that. It's... <laughs> It's good, clean, fun, JC. It's good, I, clean, fun. I don't know that good, clean, or fun can be applied to it, but I will. I will uh, admit that that I don't want to yuck anybody else's yum. Let's let's. Uh, but virtual virtual karaoke, Michael. Let me ask you a quick question. In your oh, day, baby, to, you here we go. you got what I need. Oh. Will you say he's just a friend? I'll Will you back. stay just oh baby you so are, are you feeling it are I, you feeling no, it no no <laughs> <laughs> how often do you use your your camera on your laptop for meetings at at, at work michael how often <laughs> I, I I used it more this last week actually because I uh, like uh, some of my some of my team are pretty steady office people and I was sensitive to how jarring it is suddenly to be on the laptop from your house. I actually started using the camera and I didn't much before. And by the end of the week, I said to the team, look, let's just talk about this openly. I think it would be great if we were camera optional, but welcome. People should feel comfortable turning them on if they want to. If they don't feel comfortable turning it on, they shouldn't feel obliged. You know, I certainly have days where I roll out of bed and take the first call uh, in my pajamas. And I don't, I'm pretty scrappy. I don't feel like, you know, being on camera. Also, JC, let's be real. The hair and makeup situation is challenging. Let let me tell you though, in my place of business, there is a gentleman who runs a particular team and they have the most savage tradition. And I am passing this on because I think it could be of use. If you have a meeting that is set for a time and you're all joining virtually, if it is one minute after the start time of that meeting, let's say it's supposed to start at 9 a.m. and it's 9.01. 
the last person to join the meeting has to turn their camera on. What? Yes. Now, I was uh, exposed to this this week for the first time, and this happened, and I was not expecting it. And they all seem to have a very, very good time with it. Um, at the same time, I, we're right back to Lord of the Flies. <laughs> it, was a, it was a little terrifying. But that said, doesn't mean we all can't have a little bit of that fun, right? Like, let's kick this around. Maybe this becomes a thing. I had to do a video myself for work for something a couple years ago. And I I decided uh, as like a little challenge to myself to figure out how to work in my daughter's stuffed alpaca. And just as you're saying this, I think there's a clear opportunity. First off, you know, the stuffed alpaca could be on screen instead of me. I can be off camera and the stuffed alpaca can be out there. You know, Fred Rogers with the puppets style. Obviously, another direction to go is costumes. So I could show up for a conference call looking like a minion or Jason from the Halloween movies. Um, wait, is Jason? No, crap. Jason's Friday the 13th, isn't he? Yes. I don't see. I don't. I, we don't go to horror movies because my wife doesn't like them. Well, you know, this is a perfect time. No, this is not a perfect time to get. This is not a perfect time to start watching horror movies. (laughs) One of the things that we were talking about is we were talking about creating a little bit of structure. And one of the ideas that that I remember you mentioning was the idea of almost setting up a daily family meeting. Yeah. Um, One of the things we do in our house is without fail, we all eat dinner together at the same time. We all sit down. We've got these crazy activity schedules, but we always make sure that we all sit down and eat together and we have the conversation and we say, you know, what was the, what was your best thing today? What was your worst thing today? And it kind of discharges a little bit of that stress and it introduces a little bit of camaraderie almost, you know, just a, a way for us to catch up and kind of achieve some sort of baseline before we start to wind things down for the day or on activity nights, you know, ramp them up again and then try to bring it all back together. First off, if you call it a meeting, you will have mutiny in the family. Yes. Uh, uh, so a check-in is good. Uh, like you say, just doing a thing, just agreeing with your partner. You're going to do a thing every day that's going to serve this function. So it could be breakfast, could be dinner, could be something else. I often th- say, first off, that that uh, a family is like the crew of a ship, right? Like you have a culture and y- you, you want to pay attention to what are the things that shape that culture? What are your rituals and habits? So that's something to, to, to think about right now. There's a chance to form something or strengthen something. The other thing about the younger kids, I think it's important to remember that younger kids are like emotional weather vanes in the house. They don't necessarily understand why the wind is blowing the way it is, but they pick up on it. You want to pay attention to not trying to explain the wind, so to speak, but help them help them kind of live with what they're picking up on, help them dissipate it or redirect it or be okay with the fact that mom and dad are upset. I don't remember the name of the psychological theory offhand, but there's this notion that you go through a stage developmentally around three to five years old where you're sort of learning the social norms of what's okay and what's not okay. And the big thing that trips people up as parents in that stage is that parents often unintentionally signal to their kids that certain feelings are not okay. So some families, it's not okay to be angry. In some families, it's not okay to be sad. In some families, it's not okay to be vulnerable. And so kids internalize those lessons. They grow up with them. Sometimes you realize as an adult that you still have that inside you. And I always I always kind of feel like as a parent, you can really get inside your own head with this stuff and, and that's not healthy. 
It's just useful to recognize that right now we are all feeling such a range of things that the best thing you can do for your kids is just let them know it's all okay to feel. It's okay to feel everything that they're feeling because we're all feeling all the things at the same time. They don't really have the tools to process all of it right now. And that's all right. We don't, we shouldn't expect that of them. We also shouldn't expect that they're completely bereft of the ability to process, but more than anything, just making space for them to say, yeah, I feel pretty gross right now too. I'm frustrated. I'm having cabin fever. I'm sad about that news that's on TV. So listen, we've been telling you since the first episode that we have this deadline mailbox out there. And when we asked for submissions, we heard from several of you, which was awesome. Now is your time. We definitely want to hear about how you're coping, what you're doing to stay connected to your friends, family, loved ones, community, and how we're going to get through this together. So please give us a call. The number is 412-684-DADS. That's plus one, 412-684-3237. Those calls are going to a secure, decontaminated, antiviral mailbox in deepest, darkest Pennsylvania, and we will retrieve them wearing our Homer Simpson nuclear gloves. And please remember to subscribe to Dadline wherever it is you get your podcasts. Because every time you subscribe, a bunker gets a supply drop. 